0: TalkZone.com
1: Welcome in to Two Guys and a Mic. I'm Seth Bruin, sitting shotgun for the coach, behind the glass of our producer, David Olsen. The Big Dog should be checking in at 10.15 or so. Hope that everybody had a very Merry Christmas. I'm Jewish, so I watched a movie. I saw The Fighter. I thought it was outstanding. But more of my weekend was pretty much dominated by sports, believe it or not. The NBA rolled out its showcase of games. We'll talk about that later. I know you fans of the hardwood are going to want to rant about Heat Lakers and your thought thoughts on the uh, the Heat's uh, blowout, well not blowout, but, but pretty significant win of the Lakers in LA, but the story from this weekend is the NFL, the mess that is the NFC and how everybody got business done in the AFC and news just broke that the San Francisco 49ers have fired Mike Singletary, so we got a lot to dissect here today, but the big news being Mike Singletary is out as San Francisco 49ers head coach. Uh, CEO Jed York made the announcement early this morning. He said that the interim head coach will be defensive lineman Jim Tom Sula. And I, I gotta say that this doesn't come as a huge surprise to me. I thought he might be fired today just because, I mean, what, what he has created in San Francisco is an absolute mess. I mean, uh, in a must win yesterday against the, uh, the Rams, they got, uh, basically, housed. Uh, 25 to 7, their offense did nothing. Mike Singletary got into it with head, with starting quarterback Troy Smith, pulled Troy Smith, put in Alex Smith. I mean, we've heard this over and over again. It's like deja vu and you just can't do that with your quarterbacks. There's no such thing as quarterback by committee in the NFL. There's no such thing as quarterback by committee in college. If you want to be yanking quarterbacks like that, go coach high school. Mike Singletary may make a great high school coach, great motivator, likes to get in his guys' faces, but it's kind of proven you can't do that in the NFL. I mean, you saw yesterday Ted Ginn got into it a little bit with Singletary when he was trying to separate the two. He and Troy Smith were teammates at Ohio State. And obviously yesterday a little bit was more on Troy Smith, but you know, Singletary has a storied history of getting into it with his players and, and the 49ers have obviously had enough. Now I, I, and I, I kind of know that Singletary hasn't had the benefit of, of inheriting a franchise quarterback like some other guys did, like Mike Tomlin and whatnot. Nor has he had the advantage of, of being able to draft a franchise quarterback like Steve Spagnola in, in St. Louis. He, he got to draft Sam Bradford this offseason, but his handling of personnel has been so he, he so grossly mismanaged his personnel that it was obviously time for him to go. Whether or not he got to finish out the season of semantics. The organization probably wanted to have some sort of momentum heading into next season or some sort of positive sort of frame of mind, if you will. 888 go for it's the number if you want to weigh in on the Singletary firing. That's 888-463-6748. I'm Seth Gruen sitting in for the coach we're talking Mike Singletary and the San Francisco 49ers. Singletary is out as head coach. Defensive lineman, defensive line coach Jim Thomasula uh, has been named interim coach. If uh, you are just joining us or you just joined us a little late. You know, one one of the many things that um, Singletary also did wrong. It was almost like sort of like a rico um, or a rico predicate here. It's, there were so many things that that were criminal during Singletary's regime. That they were able to roll it all into one and say, you're gone. I mean, Singletary saw himself as a motivator. That's why he was brought in. He was brought in for his intensity. He was more of a, a CEO or, or, or the dean of students and all his coaches were the professors. Uh, for, by all accounts, Singletary allowed his defensive and offensive coordinators to do all the game planning. He was, he was very hands off, so to speak. And. Um, really wasn't involved in a lot of play calling, and, and in today's NFL, when you look at successful coaches, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, uh, you 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 even look at a guy like Lovey Smith now is that success? You, you, you're you're involved in the play calling. You're more involved in the play calling than the screaming of the headlines. You know you're not a figurehead. You're not you're not there to look pretty. And I'm sure that Jed Yost or Jed Yost. Why did I say that? I'm thinking Ned Yost, uh, the former Brewers manager, and now current Royals manager, CEO Jed York. Probably thought, you know, if I, if I wanted somebody to look pretty, I could tr- trot out one of my cheerleaders. So it looks like the big dog is joining us a little early. Big dog, how was your Christmas?
0: Oh, I had an absolutely phenomenal Christmas. Got to spend it with the family. Uh, you know, it's it was good, good, good times. Always good times. As a matter of fact. My uh, godson's birthday is uh, December 26th, and let's just say, oh, that that usually ends up being the worst day out of all of them. If you know what I'm saying, at least the 27th tends to be the worst day for me.
1: Wow, because you're, you're you're decompressing from all that shopping.
0: Oh uh, well, yeah, the shopping's usually really really tough for me because I got to carry all the bags as my girlfriend goes around and just keeps on buying and buying and buying and buying. It's it's pretty tough
1: actually. You know, it's funny. I was thinking that. Um Christmas is a pretty big day for you because, you know, you got the holiday, the family, and then uh, all the Chinese restaurants are open.
0: That's so, it's huge.
1: That's it's Yeah, huge. That, that's huge for you. But I, I, I got to say, I mean, I know I know Mike Singletary, you, you've heard obviously by now that the 49ers fired Mike Singletary, and, and I know that the, the 85 Bears are near and dear to your heart. And, and so you know, I have sim- to
0: admit, they, they, they truly are, Seth, but I'm done with them. I'm so tired of all like, oh, let's have a banquet, and hear the same story for the 800th time.
1: Yeah, it's like Mike Singletary's uh, in the news now because people haven't heard from uh, the '85 Bears in like 20 minutes. So, <laughs> uh,
0: you, you know, it's funny that you you talk about the fact that he's like hands off in terms of uh, the game planning, because the old '46 defense, everybody thinks it's all complex and it was this huge game plan. You know, they really didn't have a, a a serious game plan, and he was the middle linebacker on those teams, and basically what would happen is on the field all the all the guys would line up and this is no joke cuz i actually asked Mike Singletary this when i was working at nordstrom cuz i i couldn't understand how they aligned and i was like Wait, I was you like, saw him hey. at nordstrom yeah he was in nordstrom i was working there and he, i went up and bothered him and i'm like i'm like hey mr singletary if you don't mind can, can i ask you a question about the the 46 defense and he was like oh yeah go ahead he wasn't really friendly but you know he he answered the questions mhm and I was like, you know, like I understand how uh, you call something when you have like a 5 2 or a 3 4 or 4 3 defense. And like, how did you guys call your defenses in the huddle? Like, what did it sound like? And he's like, we, he's like, that's a good question. You know, we would, uh, we would, we would just get in the huddle and all just be like, all right, break. Let's hit somebody. And then we would get up to the line of scrimmage and how they would align uh Wilbur would yell out what he was going to do. Otis would yell out what he was going to do. And then uh, Dave Doorson would yell out what he was going to do. And then we would just go from there. So I'm like, you didn't call plays in the huddle. He's like, no, we would yell at it at the line of scrimmage. So I'm like, well, how would you know what to do? He's like, well, Buddy would tell us throughout the week what, we would, what we'd want to do most often. And I would just make sure that we went in the right direction when they, when they yelled it out. I'm like, seriously? So it kind of goes hand-to-hand. I mean, it wasn't like they were – it's not like there was this big, thick playbook had to remember it was just basically he just had to make sure the linemen went in the right direction depending on what the linebackers did
1: yeah it's interesting you say that because I know when he was when he was a player and because he was kind of captain of that defense everybody said this guy's going to be a head coach for sure and by Uh all accounts he was was a great position coach too but but don't forget this is a guy and and we saw this with Rod Marinelli (laughs) he's a guy that went from position coach to head coach which is quite a jump now usually you see a guy become a coordinator first yeah, absolutely. And, and and another point you touched on which which segues into something that, that I was thinking yesterday when I basically thought he, he obviously lost his job um with that loss to the Rams. Is that maybe this is a guy who's who who's, you know, you know, behind the times. A guy who's maybe still living in the eighties, trying to coach it up in the eighties when, you know, we're in two thousand with all the complex defenses and the three fours and the blitzing from everywhere. And um, you know the quarterbacks and, and and all the film study and and the, and the different technology that they have and and you know kind of their their improved capacities and the emphasis on reading defenses and whatnot. Then maybe he's be, he's behind the times.
0: You know that that could be it. You know that could be it. And and you know, the the funny thing is, no matter what time it is, blocking and tackling typically is going to be the basis of football forever. And they didn't do that that well. They were not a fundamentally sound team. So if you're going to have a real simple offense and defense, you better block and you better tackle really well.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and interestingly, in, interestingly enough, I don't think he was the only job, only coach that actually lost his job yesterday. You you, you fair guess at who, who the second one is? He's in the NFC. Uh, is it Tom Coughlin? Yeah, it's Tom Coughlin. It's Tom Coughlin. Good guess. And even so, if they make even if they make the playoffs, I think he could be fired just because. I mean, you you can draw comparisons between Coughlin and Singletary. I mean, Coughlin's a real in your face type guy too. You know, taskmaster, and um, you know you lose you get you get trance, What was it, forty five to seven to the Packers? I mean,
0: I think it was seventeen, but either seventeen way, it was,
1: seventeen. I'm uh, sorry, it's twenty five seven in the forty ers game. Uh,
0: that was 25-17, too, and the the Niners actually had a shot to tie the game. That's right, twenty five seventeen. You're it's, right. You're right. You're right. And Ted Ginn decided to try to get two extra yards instead of get out of bounds. Yeah, just something like that. Ted Ginn is trying to calm Troy Smith down and wiping his towel off on his face and be a leader. Well, if you're going to be a leader, you got to
1: play smart. Too, but you, you, you got to realize that that's Singletary's fault. That's Singletary's and, fault and because everybody get out of bounds. Yeah, but when you put when when you keep pulling your quarterbacks, the second stringer. Which, by the way, don't forget, Troy Smith started out the season as the third stringer was bumped ahead of David Carr. So you've really got two quarterbacks who haven't had that full sort of, um, you know, full, full practices. I mean, Alex Smith likely didn't know what they wanted to run in the two-minute offense in this game. So that's why he was throwing those short... I mean, th- there was... Yes, I know they had no timeouts left with like a minute ten. But he, he, he mismanaged the clock. And that's Singletary's fault.
0: And yeah, clock management, no matter. Because if, he has
1: this quarterback carousel.
0: And that is, uh, and clock management is 100% the head coach's fault, no matter what. Even if he, if he elects somebody or designates somebody as the clock management guy, it's still, it goes right back to the
1: coach 100% of the time. Right, because he can talk to the, an NFL, he can talk to an NFL quarterback in his helmet. I mean, he could tell him what we want to do, spike it, whatever. You know, it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's 100% the coach's fault. I, I think Singletary deserved to be fired. I, I think he has a future as some sort of coach in the NFL still. I mean, a guy like that, a motivating guy like that, I think could be a, a very effective linebacker's coach.
0: Well, uh, Ray Lewis said that Mike Singletary taught him more than any other linebacking coach he ever had.
1: Yeah, I mean, I because mean, then you get to, when, when you're a position coach, I mean, the coordinator's game plan. When you're a position coach, you, you, you kind of instruct based. You, you you sort of take marching orders. You're a manager. You you instruct based on that game plan. But but you're also coaching them up. I mean, you also get to coach some fundamentals and some skills. And, and one thing I hate, I can't stand, is when people say, "Well, well, pros they they don't they don't work on on fundamentals. They don't need to work on fundamentals. That's why they're pros." That's stupid. I mean, do you know how many times Kobe Bryant works on his jump shot? Constantly. Yeah. I mean, they they're they're not. They're they're not just working on game planning and stuff like that. I mean that's 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 a lot of it, but they're working on tackling and, and and whatnot. I mean, how many times have you seen a guy not not properly tackling the NFL?
0: Oh, it happens way 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 too much.
1: Yeah, and that but that's that's what man. Singletary knows how to coach him up. He just doesn't know how to sort of like for for a better lack of a term, scheme him up.
0: Yeah, that's you know, that does make a lot of sense. And if people say they don't work on the on the fundamentals. In the NFL, the fundamentals are your first step. That might sound cheesy, but legitimately, your first step or two, and if they're constantly, they might not always work on tackling because you can get hurt that way. But linebackers are always making the reads, and like if a linebacker or if a guard blocks down, they, they fire down, and they might not be hitting people constantly, but they're always working on their first step and, and their footwork and stuff. So,
1: Who do you think is going to. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it, it,
0: that's, that's big time, and that's like. They, he, Every single professional athlete, no matter what sport it is, continues to work on the fundamentals of the basic place because those have to become second nature constantly for, the, for these people.
1: The, you know, the interesting thing is, I wonder with, with all of this, with all these coaching fires, and the, there, there are going to be a ton of jobs open this off season. By the way, in Carolina and Cincinnati, um,
0: Washington possibly, uh,
1: maybe. I mean, don't forget they got to write down. If they release Donovan McNabb, they got to write him a three million dollar check. I don't think you want to be. I don't think you want to be paying two coaches and a quarterback in a potential uh, work stoppage season. Good point. But uh, you know, as as I said, I think Coughlin lost his job yesterday. Absolutely getting housed by the Packers in a game that, if you win, you're in the playoffs. I I think the organization's kind of had enough of him already. I think the players have kind of had enough of him. But, but I often wonder with, with the Coughlin situation, how much, how much Bill Cower is going to affect, you know, his standing in New York and how much, you know, Bill Cower's interest in returning to the NFL affected maybe them firing Mike Singletary. In other words, maybe they want to hire a coach right away, like, you know, that first week of the playoffs. Maybe, maybe Bill Cower's shown interest in San Francisco. Where, where do you see Cower ending up next year?
0: Well, everybody's saying that it's, it's, Houston, Miami, or New York.
1: Okay, he wants the big market.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're actually if if you're the the Mara family and you hear Cowher is interested in your team and maybe John Gruden is available and he's interested in being a, the giant coach, if you get names like Gruden and Cowher. That puts Coughlin in a very precarious situation because if you have an option of those two, even you even if I honestly mean this, they better be careful what they get if uh, they fire uh, Tom Coughlin, because that, that might, he's actually a really, really good coach. But if you're going to be able to replace him with Cower or Gruden, maybe a change is in store, and that's going to be the best thing for the team.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, the, the interesting thing, I've, I the thing I find interesting is Tom Coughlin has won one Super Bowl. How many has um, Bill Cower won? One. He's won one. Exactly. And, and, and Bill Cower is also that kind of in-your-face guy. He's a taskmaster. He's, no, he's known to make his players work hard, especially in the offseason,
0: which and, is what Tom Coughlin's
1: So So they're really the same guy. I mean, they have the same credentials almost. The only difference is Cowher had that longer standing with the Steelers.
0: And Sort of organizational honest, stability. With the Giants personnel right now, I think they're better off bringing in John Gruden than Bill Cowher. Just for the simple fact, they've got like seven defensive linemen with the Giants, and they run the four-three. They wouldn't. They might change up a little bit uh, scheme-wise.
1: Yeah, but it also depends on who Bill Cowher wants to bring in as his coordinators, what 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 coaches he's going to keep. Um, and don't forget, this is all uncertain because of a possible work stoppage.
0: I really think they're going to get it straightened out. I really believe they're going to get it straightened out. So, Everybody in football is making money besides uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So for them to actually uh, lock out the players, the owners would be pretty dumb because people don't want to deal with uh, – I mean, it's the golden it's the golden goose right now. They don't want to mess with that. So hopefully they, they get it straightened out. I wouldn't be too worried that there's a work stoppage.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely when you look at the two leagues in danger of it, the NFL and the NBA – um, the the NBA Players Association is much further away from the owners than the NFL is, um, yeah. especially an NFL player with such such a short career. I think realizes how much money he's he, he's set to lose, you know, with a potential work stoppage. But we're gonna head into a break and Big Dog coming up. I'm gonna tell you a few things that uh, have made me angry. We're gonna talk a little NBA and then we'll try to figure out the, the mess that is the NFC coming up. After this break, you've got two guys and a mic. Welcome back into two guys and Mike. I'm Seth Bruin filling in for the coach, the big dog, checking in via phone from where? Where are you, big dog? Uh,
0: I, I hate to disappoint you. I actually woke up at my house this morning.
1: Ah. See, I like it when you call in from a train station, a restaurant, a bus stop,
0: <laughs> a studio. Who knows? Yeah, because you always Hospital. see things
1: that are interesting. You share. It's that's that's some live reporting.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I hate to tell you, I'm actually still at
1: the house. Well, that's that's all right. You you probably had a rough weekend, rough rough Christmas. It's like you said, today's your uh, godson's birthday, so it's a rough day.
0: Yesterday was, and that's the biggest party of them all. So, You go to Benny Hanna's.
1: Oh, that's good good stuff. Hibachi. Yes, it is. Hibachi. The hibachi stuff is phenomenal. All right. Now I want to kind of – we're kind of going to look ahead in the NFL. I know we still got tonight's Falcons-Saints game. And Tuesday's Eagles Vikings game, which we'll get to later in the show. We'll talk about whether or not the NFL handled that appropriately. But I want to run through all the scenarios basically for this coming weekend and, and, and what's, what's sort of set in stone and what's still to be figured out. And, and the AFC picture is much more clear. The Patriots have clinched home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. We you know that the Chiefs clinched the AFC West title and Bravo. I'm glad to see the uh, Chargers. Lose that division because they don't deserve to. Because they don't, they don't play a full season.
0: Yeah, and and I was also happy in that game to see the Bengals win and Carson Palmer play great without Ojo Stinko and Yap Yap
1: and and, and To yeah. And yep. just m- moving on in the the AFC, the Jets clinched a wild card while the Steelers and Ravens are still vying for the AFC North title. But the Steelers and Ravens also both clinched playoff spots, so there's only one playoff spot to be determined in the AFC. That's in the AFC South. And if the Colts win, they're in. Yeah. Which I expect them to do. Now, in terms of that AFC North title, with the tiebreaker over the Ravens, the Steelers will win the AFC North and get a first round bye in the second seed if they beat Cleveland. In Cleveland. The Ravens would need to beat the Bengals at home and for the Steelers to lose. So that's all pretty much in the that division. And the AFC South, the AFC North, the second seed, and the AFC South are all that need to be figured out in the AFC. And believe me, that that's not a lot compared to the NFC. We're going to run through the NFC right now. It's much more convoluted. The Bears, Eagles, and Saints—they're in. The Rams, the seven and eight Rams, traveled to Seattle to play the six and nine Seahawks for the NFC West title. Who would have thought two teams below 500 would be featured on Sunday Night Football the last week of the season? And by the way, go Rams! Who wants to see a seven and nine team in the playoffs? I don't. No Post no, no. a playoff see, game.
0: I thoroughly and totally disagree with you. I want I am so sick of eight four team divisions that I'm hoping one day the NFL actually goes to four eight team divisions, so it actually means something when you win a division. Like the other day the Bears put on NFC North Championship shirts. I just I had a laugh. I know they had a great season, but I was still laughing when I saw them do it. I am like, that's yeah. what a joke that is. Uh, but I, that's why I'm going to root for the Seahawks to win, so a 7-9 team gets in, and maybe football will shake it up a little bit. I, I hate four-team divisions. I think it's one of the dumbest things the NFL has ever done.
1: I think the three coaches that don't win that division should be fired. I mean, it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it's well, really ridiculous. Coach. How?
1: How? Uh, why should a 7-9 and nine team host a playoff game?
0: Oh, they definitely should not host one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if they don't change the division format, which I know they're not going to, I would love them to, but hopefully they say if you don't have a winning record, they switch it up. You become like the fifth seed or the sixth seed somehow.
1: And the screwed up thing about that is if if the if the Rams end up winning, they will actually play the second seed in the playoffs, not the first seed, even though it's realigned because even though you know it's re-sort of bracketed because they won the division.
0: Yeah, yeah, so well, they'll, be, they'll play the
1: fifth seed is what will happen. No, 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 I, I know that. But I'm saying if they win in the first round.
0: Oh, okay, I see what you're
1: saying. Because, because of the division. Uh-huh. But let, 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 let's let run through the rest of this uh, NFC playoff picture. The Eagles-Vikings game in Philadelphia is po- postponed till Tuesday. If the Eagles win, if if the Eagles lose, the Bears are guaranteed the second seed in the playoffs and at least one game at home
0: which would be very, very good for the which Chicago Bears. They need that bye. I don't care what anybody right. says. They play horrible after the bye. We all know that. But it's the playoffs. You don't want to have to play the extra game.
1: Hey, it worked in 06.
0: Oh, it absolutely did. It worked in 06. And then they decided to go away from blitz and quarterbacks and play safe defense in the Super Bowl when they lost.
1: So. Yeah, and the Patriots game aside, we all know that Soldier Field in the winter is a big home field advantage. Now, Moving on to more Eagles Bears stuff. If the Eagles win Tuesday, the Bears would need to beat the Packers in Green Bay to secure a bye and the second seed, or the Eagles would need to lose to the Cowboys for the Bears to get that second seed.
0: The Bears, I, I
1: they're going to have to beat the, the Green Bay Packers. Right, right. I don't, I don't see the Eagles losing. I don't see the Eagles losing to the Vikings or the Cowboys. But who knows? I mean, the Cowboys could play sports. You know, who knows? Either team could win. I, I could see the Bears losing to the Packers because that's one of the few games in the last weekend that actually matters. Because if the Packers beat the Bears, they go to the playoffs as a wild-card team by virtue of the tiebreaker, which they won by beating the Giants last yesterday. Yeah. The Giants, to make the playoffs, would need the Bears to beat the Packers, which is possible, and they would also need to win this Sunday. Now the Eagles and the Bears are the only two teams that have clinched divisions in the NFC. If you got if you follow by now. Uh. Uh-huh. The Eagles clinched the NFC East and the Bears clinched the NFC North. The Falcons could clinch the NFC South with a win tonight over the San Francisco For- over I'm sorry over the New Orleans Saints tonight Monday. And that seems to be the story in the NFC. Your thoughts. Well how do you see it all shaken out?
0: Um well I to be honest with you, how am I going to figure out what that convoluted mess? I mean, there's so many different options and angles, and it seems like this year there's a little bit less than there typically is going into the last week of the season. I, I do tell you this is a big game tonight, Atlanta and New Orleans. and uh, Oh, it's huge. Yeah, and Atlanta has not wrapped up home field, but for the best right. I want them to win because I really don't think Atlanta's going to lose to Carolina next week. and. I also want the I want the Eagles to lose, right. because the Bears don't have anything to play for next uh, on this weekend. I don't want them to think, "Hey, we can play for the home field advantage." I want them to be able to have a game where they pretty much do nothing but basic vanilla stuff and get out of Green Bay as quickly as possible.
1: I agree, and, and don't forget now the Eagles potentially uh, are looking at three games in twelve days. So it, the Eagles, if the Eagles are gonna lose, they'd rather lose Tuesday than lose Sunday. Because if they lose Tuesday, they can sit their guys out on Sunday because it won't matter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if they do play, I mean, it could end up working out perfectly for the Bears. It really can. That's why I am really, really hoping that the Vikings can win on Tuesday.
1: Right, right. But, But the likelihood is that the Bears will be playing for something in Green Bay. I mean, because if the Saints beat the Falcons then the Bears are potentially playing for the first number one overall seed home field advantage throughout the playoffs, yeah, but which is forget. huge for them. Believe me, they would much rather the, the Saints come to them. Because don't forget, well, I, No. 06, they beat the Saints in the NFC Championship.
0: Well, it, it, it's a, it doesn't matter if the Saints have a better record than the Bears. The Bears are the division winner, so the Bears will be playing at home against the Saints no matter what.
1: Right. But, but, don't but, but, but the Saints can still win their division. Yeah, they can still win the division. They can still win the if they win. Yeah, if they win tonight,
0: and Carolina beats Atlanta next week, and the Saints win next week against what was it, Tampa Bay? Who are they playing? That must be Tampa Bay Mm because everybody's playing a division game the last week of the season. Mm -hmm. So that's not likely. Carolina is not beating Atlanta. Who knows? I, you know, Jimmy Clauston has had a re- reawakening the last couple of weeks. So yeah, he's you know he's played a lot better.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see it happening. They're yeah. not.
0: No, he, he is awful.
1: You know, it makes me so happy to see how bad he is because you know I hate Notre Dame.
0: What's wrong with the fighting
1: Irish? I can't stand them. The arrogance, everything about them. <laughs> you know I mean, that
0: there's there's no way Carolina beats Atlanta. If Atlanta needs that game. That's like a one percent chance of them winning.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think outside of Sam Bradford, you know, you're looking at maybe Tim Tebow as the second-best quarterback to come out of this draft.
0: You know what? Tim Tebow is a lot... I, I like that kid. He's going to be very, very good. I, he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be, to be honest with you. A lot better. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. Do, I mean, would you, would you give him a shot going into next season to be your starting quarterback? Or do you, Absolutely. Do you just go ahead and... I mean, they're talking about possibly drafting a guy, but... You know, it's, it's it's sometimes frustrating to me that, um, you know, you, these these quarterbacks are kind of written off. Well, this guy's, you know, more of an athlete. He's a runner. Let's move him. You know, I, I, I kind of look at wins and losses. I think that's an important number for a quarterback. And Tim Tebow seems to win. He seems to be a winner. I mean, now, he's Denver, a winning type player.
0: Denver draft, though, traded a bunch, got a bunch of draft picks last year. in The draft that they kept going down. Do they have a shot at the number one overall pick this year? Denver, yeah.
1: No, that's so, going go to go to Carolina.
0: Getting, if you're not getting Andrew Luck, why would you even mess with Tim Tebow?
1: If you're if not, why, oh, oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, Jake Locker's out there. Um, no, you know, they're not going to draft Cam Newton. Who knows? And Terrell Pryor. We'll, we'll we'll get to the Ohio State stuff later in the show. So
0: they can they can get Terrell Pryor in the seventh round.
1: Yeah, if I I don't know if we'll fall that that far. I don't know if we'll fall that far. He's but yeah, I, I I certainly give Tim Tebow a chance. I mean, uh, yeah, I know the elongated. You know, he he corrected the throwing motion. He threw for over three hundred yards. He threw for a TD and a rush TD. I know he threw a pick, but you know that's going to happen, obviously. But I I think I think he's a winner. And I, who knows? I, I you know, like maybe it. maybe somebody figures out how to use him, or or, or 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 maybe maybe he becomes more of a pocket passer. I mean, look at how Michael Vick evolved as a passer. It
0: could happen. Uh, Michael Vick right now is. Has become the exact quarterback I'd, I feared he would become when he was with the Atlanta Falcons.
1: Exactly, because he selectively uses his athleticism,
0: yeah, and when he does, home oh, it's electrifying.
1: Yeah, and 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 speaking of the Eagles, well, let's kind of—I I, want to hear your thoughts on the postponement of the game till Tuesday. We all know the reason why, and the reason why is that that Eagles Vikings game was scheduled as a Sunday nighter, and NBC has a contract with the NFL. Guaranteeing them sixteen primetime games that they could show to a national nationally televised audience. And ESPN has a deal that they can you know, that they have sixteen games that they get to show to a nationally televised audience. Remember they have two the first week. And when you look at the quality of the game, Eagles, Vikings or Falcon, Saints, I think if they were both played on uh, you know, Sunday night, or I mean Monday night. I think we know which one most people would be watching, and yeah, uh, NBC's ratings would hit the the you know the, the, the crapper.
0: So that's yeah, So they bump it all the way to Tuesday, which is doing nothing but helping the Chicago Bears. Yeah,
1: today. and now, but the, in the meantime, you have the Eagles clamoring that they don't, you know, that, that 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 it's unfair. We have to play three games in twelve days, which it is. It is unfair, but I, I kind of think it was unavoidable. I mean, because those television contracts, that's how the NFL breads its butter.
0: Well, you know what? If they have a problem with it, talk to the mayor of Philadelphia. He, I could not believe he had the excuse of "we're worried about the safety of Eagles it, it, I
1: No, it, it was it was the, it was the Eagles that were worried. The mayor said Vince Lombardi would be mocking us. Let's play.
0: No, 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 no. The former mayor.
1: Said oh, that. the former mayor.
0: The former mayor said that the actual mayor now, and I don't know his name. His statement was, you know, I I worry about Eagles fans. We don't want uh, eighty thousand people congregating in one area with this much snowfall, getting, snow getting, s- getting snuck, snuck stuck in the snow. Eagles fans, they should cancel all Eagles games forever. Yeah. Those people are nothing but idiots. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. I mean, it, look, it, it's yeah, yeah. It, I mean, um, for them to have to play that third game and it would be a playoff game in twelve days. Is yeah, I, I agree. Sort of unfair, but I mean, there are some things they could, they can you know if they, if they blow out the Vikings this you know in, in the first half they can they can rest their guys or you know th- there's a lot of things they could do to manipulate their personnel to sort of um, sort of get them some rest. But we're gonna we're gonna head into another break. Coming up, we're gonna talk a little NBA. Is that all right with you, Big Dog?
0: I, I guess we boy have to. Did
1: you, did you catch any of the uh, any of the hardwood on Christmas?
0: Uh, I did watch some basketball on Christmas, but I did not watch that exciting Bears system games yesterday due to the birthday party.
1: All right, well, we will uh, we'll come back uh, to the NFL at some point. 888-463-6748 If you want to weigh in, you've got two guys in a mic. Big Dog on Christmas, you know, um, my people of the Jewish faith do one of two things. We either eat Chinese food or we go see a movie. I hate Chinese food, so it's like the second uh, Yom Kippur of the year for me. Okay. So I fast so, again. So, But I saw a movie, and they sell uh, concessions there, so I had some popcorn. And I saw The Fighter, which I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and I thought it was outstanding. You seen that yet?
0: have not Mickey seen it. Mickey Ward? Uh. I, I doubt I will actually see it in the theater.
1: You you don't you don't you don't like going to movies.
0: You know what? Very very rarely do I ever go to a to the movies. And it's funny. The last time I did get dragged to the movie it was the first time in a couple years. It was for a uh, due date. Mm-hmm. And I was the myself and my date were the only two people in the whole
1: entire theater. I like that. I, I like being one of few people in the theater. I hate I, when it's crowded. I, I like to be able to pick my seat. I don't like to be able to, you know, to have to get there that early.
0: It was it was just good to throw popcorn and you know just act like an idiot inside of a of a, a movie theater. So yeah, I was pretty wanted happy to, like, about
1: it. Take a baseball and just throw it at the screen. At one point if it's a bad movie. But well, usually you know I just You know
0: was pretty good. So luckily I didn't have the temptation.
1: Yeah, it, but but as I was saying about about the boxer, I thought it was outstanding. I thought it was really one of the best sports movies I've ever seen. And I know, you know, it, it, I think it kind of got mixed reviews. But, uh, you know, without giving it away, it focuses sort of on Mickey Ward's rise to prominence. I mean, he was always, you know, it's kind about of... A, Mickey Ward? Yeah. You didn't know that?
0: No, I did not
1: know. Yeah, it's Mickey, about Mickey I Ward. Love Mickey but Ward. But it doesn't focus on, you know, probably the thing he's most famous for, with which is his three fights with Arturo Gatti, which is one of the most famous, you know, trilogies and recent boxing memory i know i'm sure people could go back to you know the 60s and 70s and 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 think of more but i mean that that was that
0: jack la and those guys yeah
1: but but don't people forget that the Gotti ward fight uh and i went back and watched like youtube clips of it and whatnot It, it it the fights one and three sent both of them into the hospital well
0: fight one is the greatest fight I have ever seen, period. It's the greatest fight I've ever seen. There's no That's the
1: one Ward Ward won that one by TKO. Gotti won the next two.
0: And round nine of the first fight, is anybody who even kind of likes boxing needs to watch the ninth round of the first fight because there must have been legitimately 300 punches landed by each fighter. It was nonstop. It It was like when they used to watch the Flintstones, and they would, like, Fred would be watching the the boxing matches. That's what it looked like. It was just pow. It was they just kept trading punches for three minutes straight. That's all they did.
1: P, you know, P, people talk about uh people talk about Manny Pacquiao being like rearranging these guys' faces. He he's fighting inferior fighters, obviously. But I mean, Gotti and Ward just brawled. I mean, they didn't. Yeah. They brawled. I mean, he, look, those of you listening, an eight eight eight. Go for it if you if you want to weigh in on this eight 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 four six three six seven forty. If you've seen the fighter or know about the uh, the Ward Gotti trilogy of fights, it, it, I mean the, these guys, I mean you should see their faces. They were they were looked like you know like their nose was where their cheekbone should be.
0: <laughs> and all the fights, Arturo Gotti knew that it was going to be a brawl, so he was supposed to box. And usually for the first, I would have to say round or two, he did that, and then it was all thrown out the window and she you knows nothing but haymakers for the next 12 rounds.
1: Right, and then, but then the two became close friends, and, and Ward actually trained Gotti in his last fight. Yes. So.
0: Did they have Arturo Gotti in this movie? Who played him?
1: No, he wasn't. He's not in the movie. It's it's okay. more about him and his brother, and, you know, because his, his, his brother or his half-brother is Dickie Eklund, who was signed, kind of, you know, he, he, I think he had like a 19-10 and 10 record, Dickie Eklund, and, um, you know, he was kind of a, a fighter that bottomed out because of drugs and whatnot and then started training his brother. So it's about all that. Not I don't want to give it away. Um, not that I I always think that's that's a, I, I like um, movies that are based on true stories, nonfiction and stuff like that. And I always think it's kind of weird. Well, well, I don't want to give it away. I, I just saw <laughs> Apollo 13. I don't want to give away the movie. I mean, pe- people got mad. At you at you, you gave it away. Well, you know, the astronauts get back home safe. It happened already.
0: That would be some really theatrical license if somebody changed the uh, true story just yeah, to I make mean, it better for the movie.
1: There were some liberties that were taken in the movie. I mean, if you know the story, there there, there were a few things that were kind of altered. But for the most part, it, it seemed pretty much the same.
0: I got to ask you, I don't know the Mickey Ward story. Very much and stuff. Where I knew that like, he trained Gotti in his last fight, and you know, and I knew that they brought right. some vicious fights. He's also from England, right?
1: No, no, no. no. He's from Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh,
0: that, that's why. I mean, Christian
1: Europe. Bale and um, Mark Wahlberg were really good in it. Especially Christian Bale did a great job of of um, playing his brother. brother. Basically, after I see the I love sports movies, and after I see these sports movies that are you know true stories and stuff, I, I go and look up like. On YouTube, all the different highlights, and, and, and I looked up his brother. I looked up Dickie Eklund, and Christian Bale played Dickie Eklund. I mean, he, he played him really, really well. Like, if you see the way he talks, I'm not just talking about the Boston accent, but I'm talking about, you know, like, his pace, his cadence when he talks. He got it down pat. Well, I guess that's why he gets
0: millions of dollars of movie.
1: I guess so. I guess <laughs> so. And, uh, but, but that was a great movie, and, and, you know, Kind of, kind of, we'll, we'll step out of the ring now and, and move on to the hardwood and, and Christmas. I, I don't know. Did you get to see any of the Lakers Heat game, Big Dog? Uh,
0: yes. As a matter of fact, it was like on in the background as my family was uh, uh, having a good time. it seemed like the Heat were up by exactly 12 points for the whole entire ball game. Yeah.
1: I mean, they, they, they pretty much had the game in hand the whole time. The final score was 96 80, and it was in L.A. Was at Staples Center, but am I the only one who this isn't a big deal to?
0: I didn't. I could care less, to be honest with you. I think the Lakers will get them
1: come June. So do I. I mean, everybody knows Phil Jackson's teams peak in in the playoffs. I mean, the it, it, to, to me, um it, it's it's one out of eighty-two. It's not the NFL. A single regular season game means only means something in the NFL. I mean, they play 82 games for a reason. It's because you can't determine who the best teams are by playing one, or 10, or 20.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, anyways.
0: Yeah, the game was much bigger for the Heat, too. you got to kind of think of it on those terms. When you're when you're watching a, a game like that between two great teams, It's if the Lakers win that game, it's a whole hum thing. It's like, oh, okay, see, everybody told you they were better, so... And everybody was predicting that he to lose, so I think that had a little bit to do with it too. That Heat really wanted that game. Yeah. Really wanted that
1: game. Yeah, I mean they got something to prove. I think it's kind of a middle finger from Eric Spolstra to the rest of the league saying or 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 to Phil Jackson who said, I think this could be the Stan Van Gundy thing all over again. You remember when he said that?
0: No, I did not know he said
1: that. Yeah, he said that about the Eric Spolstra thing how it, it appeared like they were trying to phase out and he just said what was on everybody else's mind. It was what everybody else was thinking. But, um, I, I mean, Phil Jackson doesn't care about this. I mean, how, how could you say this matters? Phil Jackson has won 11 of the last 20 or 21 NBA titles. So that's half. It's like, you know, you talk about Tiger, that people used to bet Tiger against the field. It should be Phil against the field.
0: It, it really should be. But anyways. And I don't care about it Says he has the horses.
1: Yeah. we're, we're still got to do it. We're going to head into a break now, and then, Big Doug, I'm going to get really angry. Because we're going to talk about college football and the Ohio State suspensions coming up on the other end of this break. You've got Seth Gruen and the Big Dog on two guys and a mic. Two guys in a mic, Seth Gruen and the Big Dog. Our producer is Dave Olson. Hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas if you're just tuning in. And Big Dog, I don't know if you guys got to talk about this on Friday. Because I, I I forget now when, when when the initial reports broke. But the five Ohio State players uh, have been suspended for the first five games of next season. Because they, they sold some... Uh, you know, memorabilia, their jersey, their ring and whatnot. But th- they can go ahead and play in the Sugar Bowl uh, this season, which in and of itself seems kind of hypocritical. I wanted to get your – what What are your thoughts on that, Big Dog?
0: Well, I don't know if you know this. The NCAA does have uh, a clause that says that if a, a player – it depends on what happens, but if it's depending on the level of uh, offense, okay, But you can still play in a a conference championship game or a bowl game, depending on the the level. And this isn't one of the higher level of offenses.
1: Because it's a secondary violation, I know. Well, let me tell you, people people who have listened to the show before, people who are are, are holdovers from our previous show, know how I feel about the NCAA and all its ridiculousness with college football. But it may may surprise you which aspect of this makes me angry. Because the, the rule in and of itself, I think, is legitimate. Uh, these guys said they were selling their memorabilia. They thought it was theirs, and they were selling it to help their families. Well, it's a rule. I think they knew the rule. I think they kind of distorted the truth a little bit and just sort of broke the rule because they didn't think they'd get caught. And people are probably, you know, yelling and screaming, thinking that these guys should be able to sell their jersey because the NCAA, you know, makes so much money. I mean, how many number two Ohio State Buckeyes jerseys has, you know, Ohio State sold and make money off of probably a ton, you know, uh, I know sixty I seventy dollars a pop.
0: Yeah, and I went to go yeah buy one for my buddy at right. Nike Town, and uh, they had like a hundred of them, and I went come back like a week later and they didn't have any double extra larges left.
1: Right, I mean, uh, and people are probably saying, well, they should be able to sell it. It's theirs, you know. I think Boom Heron sold his Big Ten championship ring, which in and of itself kind of shows how desperate his family is. I mean, that's a pretty nice piece of memorabilia that. You know, he would. He would sell that. He would what?
0: How could you sell that? I don't know. I I mean, I was was
1: thinking the same thing. But uh, the the rule in and of itself for selling memorabilia is in place for this particular reason. Because if you were allowed to sell your memorabilia, a booster could come and buy it, and that could be a way to induce a player to come to your school. Because you could say to a high school player, saying, "Hey, I'll tell you what." Sell me your jersey. You you could sell it to me for ten thousand dollars. And when the NCAA blows its whistle, booster could say, "Well, I bought his jersey. Hey, we valued it. That that's 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 the value it has to me. Hey, this guy's Big Ten ring is worth twenty five thousand dollars to me. You follow? Yeah. Yeah. The hypocrisy, I think." Is them letting him play in the Sugar Bowl, and the reason that rules in place—I don't care if the re- the rules in place. The reason the rules in place is because they make big bucks off this BCS, and they don't want to see guys who haven't played all season, uh, you know, play running back and quarterback for Ohio State. They want it to be a good game. That's why the rules in place.
0: You know, they should—they uh, should only be suspended. They shouldn't be suspended at all next year, and only be suspended for the bowl game. Is what it truly should
1: be. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's probably what it should be. But the NCAA and all its hypocrisy is saying, you know, we'll suspend you for all the games against the Mac. Okay? The Mac's gonna need to find somebody else to, so, some other big conference opponent to beat up on it this year. But, but we want you to play in the big nationally televised game that we make multi, millions and millions of dollars off of. Cause we want our BCS to stay intact. It's BS.
0: Uh, you know what? I I I thoroughly agree with that part of it, but I I also don't have, and I understand what you're talking about with the whole boosters can come in and value and do that other all all that other stuff. But I, I just I have no problem with those kids selling their jerseys. I just, to be honest with you, how many of the of the 120 teams in in college football this year? How many kids do you think sold their jerseys on one of those teams? Probably. A.J.
1: Green did it. A.J. Green got in trouble for it at Georgia.
0: Yeah, you just you just got to be careful. You know, you just have to be careful.
1: The did did you see the um, ESPN uh, thirty for thirty pony excess?
0: Oh, was that that may have been the finest of all the thirty. Yeah, 30. it
1: was excellent. That's probably why they waited to do it. I I, I didn't realize how bad that was. And we're talking about um, the SMU scandal, how they got the death penalty. Um, the yeah. program was the program was. Um, sort of abolished or put on hiatus for a year, no games. And then the school decided to wait another year before it returned, and, and they won their first bowl game under uh, June Jones in 2007. But anyways, I mean, they were pl- paying players left and right. And um, Yeah, we're talking
0: paying yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, oh, like big time, big grand. time.
1: Tens yeah. of thousands of dollars, cars. It was blatantly obvious. And, you know, their argument was that everybody was doing it, which they were, but... um I think this rule is in place to avoid a situation like that because those guys, particularly the reason why SMU, the the, the whole crux of the movie, the whole point of the movie, was the reason why SMU got in so much trouble was because every single time a sanction was put on them or a new rule was put on them, they found a way to get around it. And there are so many boosters in this country who would use a player's ability to sell his own memorabilia to pay players to induce them to to to, to develop a pay for play scheme now the ncaa sort of could mandate or sort of could value a jersey i mean maybe a player maybe the ncaa develops some sort of some sort of system where um where, where where a player you know goes to the ncaa office and says hey i want to sell my jersey i want to help my family and the ncaa values it The NCAA is sort of a middleman, sort of like, 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 uh, an an NCAA athlete's eBay. I don't know. And maybe that's the middle ground. But I, I think the real, the real thing at heart of this controversy is the fact that they're waiting on the suspension. I mean, is it, is it the integrity of the sport or is it all about, uh, or is it all about money?
0: It's all about it's all about the the bottom line. It, it's so funny how these people who run these bowls have so much control over college football because there should have been a playoff a long time ago. But these people, they know they they there's so much money involved in these bowls, and they basically have greased the people that keep the decision of the only keep the keep the bowls. That's why there are there is, there is a bowl system now instead of a playoff. So it's these same people that are making these that decision of no, no playoffs are the same people that are making sure that these players do not get suspended for that game. And I think, and, and, and maybe this is hypocritical. I'm just going to tell you this straight up right now. I could care less that any of those kids stole their jerseys. The thing that they did wrong was being so blatant about it and getting caught.
1: Right, and breaking the rules. I don't
0: care. I don't care if players get paid. I don't care that Cam Newton may have got uh, a $180,000 offer to play at Mississippi State. I is Honestly, maybe that might seem bad, but the way I look at it is everybody is doing it. So like when you get caught, you're the one that's punished. And all of a sudden, you look like you're bad and you don't have a clean program. Which programs are clean in America? Army, yeah. Navy, and Air Force.
1: Br- and I think that Bruce Weber's line basketball team is clean. You know what? Uh, it's sad to say.
0: As a diehard line I basketball fan, I think you're right.
1: So, am I. It, 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 but because if if you talk to athletes now who are who are being recruited, they're act- and, and there've been a couple stories on line I basketball in this regard. The athlete, student, or high school athletes, prep athletes are looking for programs that they don't think are going to have sanctions put on them.
0: Yeah, this is
1: true. This is true because they 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 know that you know to get to to, to get to the professional level, they they need to play and they need to play in the postseason.
0: Yeah, you know, Seth, the other the only way I, in my mind, when I constitute a dirty program, is this. Because these are boosters. These are people that are outside the program that are, are paying these kids. The
1: yeah, but the coaches know. You don't consider, think Pete Carroll knew what was going on at USC? Oh, he knew. He knew.
0: The only thing I consider dirty is if the coaching staff actually puts prioritizes uh, the sport above the kid getting an education. Well, yeah, and it's, it, look, happens, they're getting I, paid I, with I an I education. I get upset about that stuff. You find out that kids can barely read, but... Somehow they never missed a practice and never missed a game in four years of being at an institution, look, and they come out of there just as dumb as they they got in there. That really upsets me. The fact that somebody might have paid one of those kids, I could care less. I, I totally can't care less considering how many millions and millions and millions
1: of dollars that uh, basketball look, and football it, bring it, into these schools. If you legalized a pay-for-play, it would just turn into a professional sport.
0: I mean, you get high
1: school athletes getting millions of dollars. It would. That, that's why it's illegal, and you also want to keep a level playing field. I mean, isn't one of the great things about college sports to be able to go see, you know, Winthrop go out and 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 beat uh, Michigan in the tournament, or 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 Hampton beat Ohio Iowa Michigan State. Michigan in
0: the tournament. Yeah, Michigan, I was just, I think they're banned from the tournament. They right. I, I, mean, I mean, I was years. just
1: thinking random, you know, big time <laughs> college basketball programs. It wasn't it wasn't a true life. Or, or you want you want a real example? Hampton beating Iowa State.
0: Yeah, that was a great, great day. That
1: was a great day. All right. I mean, isn't that the great thing? And, and th- those schools wouldn't stand a chance. I mean, do you think like a Northern Illinois would stand a chance if you could pay for players? It would. Uh, it,
0: it would definitely increase. Or a small school. It would definitely increase the gap between.
1: Yeah, it, uh, it would. It, it would it, par- it to the be day. the detriment of parity. I mean.
0: It would go back to the day where there was no limit on scholarships, and you can have 125 scholarship players on the sideline. And then right. now that there's only 85, that you know, all of a sudden, some of those good players are going to Northern and Toledo and and, and Miami of Ohio because of that. So it, it would go back to the old way. Exactly.
1: Right, right. But to to the to the initial suspensions of the five Ohio State players, which includes quarterback Terrell Pryor and Boom Heron, Basically, what the NCAA is, it, they're, they're taking away their hopes, Ohio State's hopes, of a national championship next season because they're basically saying to these guys, these junior eligible guys, especially Pryor and Heron, see you later, go to the NFL. Because they're not going to stay. I hate
0: to tell you that. I'm going to have to disagree with that because Pryor and Heron aren't ready for the NFL.
1: They may not be ready, but they're going to go. You sit out five games, that hurts your draft stock just as much.
0: The the offensive tackle that Adams kid may Mm -hmm. be the best offensive lineman in the country. I don't know how that kid did not make an All-American team. My best friend is a Ohio State fan. I watched every single Ohio State football game this year, every single one, every snap. All that kid did was destroy people at every play. He's going right to the NFL. And, by the way, he will be one of the first 15 players selected.
1: Yeah, the Big, the, the big Ten's going to have a, a, a few guys. Don't forget really, the Kerrigan kid at Purdue, the defensive end. He'll be a top yeah, 15 well, pick.
0: Yeah, but he's going to be picked. Greg Jones will be a top 15 pick. You know, and
1: and yeah,
0: you know, the Big Ten's producing a lot of football players this year. Yeah, the big, will be in the top. He'll be a, a first-round pick.
1: The Big Ten's on the up and up, and adding Nebraska next year, they're just going to be that much better. Even though the the divisions, I think, are kind of unfairly aligned. Well, but we could talk about that Wednesday, Big Dog. You and I'll both be back. Thanks for joining me. Again, hope hope everybody had a had a, had a very merry Christmas. I'm Seth Bruin, producer Dave Olson, and the Big Dog. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening. So